No matter where you are, no matter to what nationality or socioeconomic status, no matter what your level of education, no matter how many horrible things you've done in your life, you who were far off, like me, were brought near because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm here to tell you, that's a question of either you believe that or you don't. You're honest, hardworking, a churchgoer, raising your kids right, a good person. But all of that is irrelevant if it's energy spent towards trying to be good versus being saved. Another person spent their life cheating, jobless, being a deadbeat parent. But after receiving salvation, they're brought near to God. In today's message, Paul's words to the church in Ephesus tell us that through the blood of the cross, the playing field is leveled. It's not about us, what we've done. It's all about Him and His grace. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 11, with part one of our message entitled, Grace of the Mess. We all agree that life is messy. We've been going for the last number of weeks talking about this, and one of the reasons life is messy is because relationships are broken. Relationships are broken. And when I say relationships are broken, I don't only mean our relationships with other people. The gospel, that's the Greek translation. It means good news. All through the Bible, the message of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, the the reality of how life is lived because of Jesus is called good news. And the reason the good news is good news is because God realizes that our relationships are broken. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with ourself is broken because that relationship with God is broken. And because our relationship with God is broken and because our relationship with ourselves is broken, then it makes sense that by extension, our relationship with other people are broken. So not only is life messy because relationships are broken, Jesus came to restore broken relationships. That's why it's good news. Because God is not content to leave us in a place of just broken relationships with him, within ourselves, and with other people. God is a reconciling God. He wants us to be in pure and healthy relationships. And so as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we keep seeing this over and over again, that life is messy. First, we saw because our understanding of God is messy, one God and three persons, the Trinity. Then we saw how we should pray in the midst of the mess, that we should be praying for wisdom and revelation. We talked about that life is messy because we are messy. And there's grace for us in the mess. That God, because of his great love for us, even though we were totally messy, God came 
and redeemed us and saved us by his own grace. And that redemption, that reality that God has bought us back from our brokenness, that's a game changer, really. Because that grace, that us being bought back from slavery, now our relationship with God has been unbroken. It was broken, God fixed it. He brought it back together. And because our relationship with God is fixed, then we start to see ourselves properly. Remember last week, I said that we're worse than we realize? And that God's grace is even better than we realize? That's the paradox of humanity, that we're more broken than we want to admit, but God's love is even greater than our brokenness. So we're neither self-exalting or self-deprecating. It's that radical realism of the Bible. But I'm here to tell you this. Don't ever let someone tell you that Jesus' job was only to save your soul. Don't ever believe that. Jesus came to save us, but that salvation has enormous ramifications for everything. That is the, the, the touch point of it. But it doesn't end there. Don't ever believe that all Jesus wants to do is clean up your own private interiority. Because you do not live in a vacuum and neither do I. But for a lot of people, they think, well, you just want to save my soul. No, no, no. God saves our souls so that the implications of that salvation would renew the world, transform the world. But for many of us, and I include myself absolutely in this, the ramifications of the salvation I have in Jesus has not been fully realized in the way I relate to people. I'm growing. Lord willing, you're growing. And our text today jumps right into that. And we're going to spend some time today talking about racial reconciliation. The idea that there are divisions of people that Jesus breaks the wall down in between. So open up in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We're picking up in verse 11. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Now, I want to say this up front because, well, it's just kind of the guy that I am. I believe that God wants to go right at our prejudices this morning, right at them. So whatever prejudices you hold against people of whatever sort, I am going to challenge you on them today because I believe God's word is going to challenge it to the core. So if you have prejudices and you like them, you are not going to like this morning. I mean, so if you're like, hey, I don't really want my prejudices challenged, I want to encourage you as I'm going to read it, you, you just get on up and, and, and take it outside. But if you're here today and you're saying, Lord, I realize that I have prejudices. And we all do in different ways. I realize I have them. But Lord, I want the finished work of Jesus to inform my prejudices. I want to be able to view the ways that I roll, the things that I think, the way that I feel about certain groups of people, I want the gospel to speak into that. Then today's going to be one of those days for us. Because what we're going to find today 
is that the finished work of Jesus levels the playing field. It's not us versus them. It's not us against them, us or them. There's just all of us and God. That's the only distinction. There is the almighty God, and then there is the mass of humanity that has brokenness in all different areas. So that's where we're going to be today. We're going to find that Jesus is the Lord of the mess today. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now, notice that verse 11 begins with one of my favorite words, the word therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore, what do you say? Is anyone bored of hearing that yet? No, right? It's kind of fun. When you see therefore, you say, what's it therefore? Or if you were Shakespearean, you would say, wherefore the therefore. (laughs) It's a concluding word. It's a concluding word. So because we were worse than we realize, because God is greater then our mess, because God has given us the gift of his grace, that we are saved by grace through faith apart from works, and because we are God's workmanship, his poema, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God created before him. Because of all these things that we saw in Ephesians 2.10, we have therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, verse 12, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You see what's going on here? 
He's talking to the church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. You have to realize that one of the greatest divisions in that day were between the people who were Jewish, a very small group of people in the midst of a vast Roman empire who believed in the true and living God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Very small group. There were the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, which was everybody who wasn't Jewish. It's not like today. Today we have three of the largest religions in the world. Islam, Christianity, and Judaism all believe in one God. And that day it was pretty much just the Jewish people. And everybody else worshipped a multiplicity of gods. So one of the biggest divisions between people in that day were those who were Jewish and those who were not. And so Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, saying, look, don't forget, you guys were the, the uncircumcision. So he's saying to them, don't forget, you were outside of God because you were part of the uncircumcision. God gave circumcision, the cutting away of the foreskin of a male, as a sign of the covenant for the children of Israel. Now, if you're like, well, why do you do that? I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the teaching from Genesis chapter 17 on our website or on YouTube. We spent a lot of time going through it. And so it's still there for you to be able to archive, go back and listen to it. Why? Why that? Why not something else? That sign of the covenant was a sign that you were part of the family of God, that you were worshiping the one true and living God. And he's saying, don't forget, you Ephesian Church, don't forget that you were part of the uncircumcision by those who were called the circumcision. He's saying that the Jews considered you to be outsiders because you weren't circumcised. Now, it's interesting, Paul says the circumcision made in the flesh by hand because Paul has realized since he came to know Jesus that that physical act of circumcision doesn't mean anything because God is interested in a deeper circumcision, the circumcision of the heart. Think about that. When you think about the cutting away of the foreskin, now there's all sorts of implications to it, but at the most basic level, it was the cutting away of that which was unnecessary. Now you can make cases for how foreskin functions and what it does and all these things, and there's lots of research on it, but at the most basic level, it was an unnecessary part of the body. But God is interested in the cutting away of the unnecessary parts of our hearts. The cleansing of what's in our hearts. And so this physical act was a symbol of a much greater act that God wanted to do. The circumcision of the heart by the Spirit of God. Where because you become a born again follower of Jesus and the Spirit of God dwells in you. All of a sudden God says, yeah, you used to do that. But that's just not who you are anymore. Sure, that's the way you've always been, but is that the best way to be? Is that a way that accords with the highest virtue of love, of joy, of kindness, of peacemaking? And in all of our lives, as we simply respond to Jesus, we find all these things in our heart. We're like, yeah, that's not helpful. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I think that. But that is not based in love. That's not based in kindness. It's not based in peacemaking. That's just my own garbage, my own attempts at self-preservation, a self that I really don't like anyway. So God is in the process of doing that in all of our hearts. But Paul's saying, listen, don't forget what you used to be. Verse 2 gets even worse. 
or excuse me, verse 12, the second verse here, he says that you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He's saying to the Ephesians, look, you remember you had no hope. You were outside of all of God's promises. Now, what do these verses teach us? These verses teach us that everyone is brought near by Jesus. Everyone. Everyone is brought near by Jesus. Because the church in Ephesus, they were so far gone. They were outside of all the covenants that God made, whether it's the covenant with Adam, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with David. There's all these different covenants in the Bible. They were completely outside of it. Not anywhere near it, like you and I. But notice what it says. Because in verse 13, we get this beautiful verse here. Beautiful verse. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. He's saying, look, you guys were, you were outsiders. You were so far gone, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And that's why I say that everyone has been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Because, because God sent Jesus to live the perfect life that we all should live, but we fail miserably, to die the death that we deserved, and then to be resurrected from the dead, ultimately to ascend to the right hand of God, no matter where you are, no matter to what nationality or socioeconomic status, no matter what your level of education, no matter how many horrible things you've done in your life, you who were far off, like me, were brought near because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm here to tell you, that's a question of either you believe that or you don't. You either say, I've made a million mistakes, but I've been brought near because Jesus died on a cross for my sins. Or you say, I do not believe it. And then you have to find some other self-salvation plan. And mind you, we're all, every single human being has a self-salvation plan. Because we all are grappling with the reality that our life is messy, that we are messy. And so if you do not believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you have some other plan to be right in this world. And it's maybe it's getting a good job, keeping a job, taking care of your family. Maybe it's writing snarky Facebook posts. I mean, everyone's got something that they're trying to do to be right. Listen. No matter what your life has been, no matter how many people you've hurt, no matter how many drugs you've done, how many attempts at intimacy through all sorts of sexual immorality you've been involved in, no matter how many people you've stolen from, no matter how many laws you've broken, no matter how many good Christian deeds you've done in an attempt to make up for all the bad ones, to get more on the plus side than in the minus sign, We have been brought near because of the finished work of Jesus. That's how it happens. It's not us. It's him. It's not what we have or haven't done. It's what he did for us. See, what's amazing about the Christian message, the Christian message gets us outside of ourselves. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. And most of us struggle because we want it to be about us. 
And if I do X, Y, and Z, or I've raised my kids well and they're walking with the Lord, so now I'm a good Christian person. No, no, no. You're a good Christian person because Jesus is the Christ. All those things are good. They are not salvific. Tithing is good. It's not salvific. Church attendance is good, but it is not salvific. Rolling up your sleeves and doing second Saturday or having fasted for the last six days with seven is good. It's not salvific. Being part of the prayer team or the pastoral staff or, 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 they are good, Lord willing, but they are not salvific. It's about what Jesus has done. Everyone, and I say everyone, I mean everyone, has been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Now, look at what happens now. Because with that being the case, the Ephesians were far off. Now they've been brought near. Look at what happens in verse 14. For he himself, it says, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now, what this means is that the cross levels the playing field. The cross of Jesus levels the playing field. Now, look at what it says. For he himself is our peace. Do you see? Who's our peace? Jesus is. The, the peace that brings two groups of people who are completely opposite together is Jesus. Jesus, the cross levels the playing field, brings everybody back together. Notice what it says. Who made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Now you can imagine... Try and put your heart back 2,000 years or 2,500 years, right? What was the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles? Their belief in God, right? But really, it's the law. The law, the Jewish people's attempt at keeping God's law made them totally different from everybody else. And that difference became a huge point of contention. For the Jewish people, their attempts at law-keeping gave them a sense of superiority over the other nations. It's very common if you read the writings of the rabbis. A common prayer was, Lord, I thank you you didn't make me a Gentile. We scoff at that, except we all have that same thought in our hearts about all sorts of things, don't we? God, I'm grateful you didn't make me a Democrat, a Republican, some... 10, 15 years ago, I thank you to make me Russian when the Cold War was in full swing. For those of you maybe from Russian-speaking backgrounds, I'm grateful you didn't make me one of those Americans. I'm grateful you didn't make me a Muslim. We scoff at that, but we all have that inclination in our hearts on some level. Jesus is Jesus broke down the wall of separation between us and God, but also between us and others. Pastor Daniel challenged us to consider our own prejudices in the context of this teaching. 
to see that because we're saved by His grace, we're also once outside of it. We can look around us and see many people in the same place we once were, and Jesus wants to bring them to belief in Him. It's not about us. It's about Him. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel. I hope that you are blessed as we studied God's Word together today. You know, it is so important that you're in fellowship at a local church. God does amazing things when we gather together in Jesus' name over His Word. So listen, if you live in the Vancouver, Washington area, the Portland metro area, or if you happen to be passing through, we'd love for you to join us at Crossroads on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11.15 or in the middle of the week on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Even if you're not in our area, please reach out and connect with the church family right where you are. Listen, here's Josh with a sneak peek at what I'll be sharing in our next program. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Daniel will show us what kind of fruit results when we allow hatred to fester. Jesus died to save anyone. No matter where you think you are regarding your heart towards others, you'll be challenged by this word. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Daniel Fusco, Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled Life's Messy Next Time. Until then, may God bless.